As you're doing that, as you're thinking about that, maybe writing those down, I just want to say happy Father's Day to my dad. Uh, he listens and watches uh, from home. And just a great, great father, a godly example, a servant leader, very humble, uh, just a man of faith. And uh, I'm so thankful for him. And today, we're going to look at another great father in the Bible. We're going to look at Abraham. Uh, we touched base on Abraham last week. But what we're going to see today is an amazing display of faith by this father. Okay. Um, Abraham is tested in ways that we don't understand. Um, and he passes the test. His faith is tested and his faith is proven. And so that's what I want us to consider today is, is with our faith. You know, as we go through life, as we go through tests, how is our faith proven? And so Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, that is, you know, so we looked last week at Isaac being born. So sometime later means sometime after that. And a lot of estimates are that it's probably 30 years. So I know sometimes we think of Isaac being, you know, a little kid in this story. But, but realistically, he's probably in his 30s. At this point, sometime later, God tested Abraham. That's very important for us to think about, to consider, because God does test faith. He does test our faith. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said back to him, here I am. In other words, I'm here. I'm here, God. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Now, I don't know about you, but I have always, always, always struggled with this. Always. I know that if you're familiar with this story at all, you struggle with it too. You might wonder, why is that in there? Why is that in my Bible? I mean, here's where I struggle with it. On, on many different levels. I mean, here you have Abraham, who we looked just last week, wanted a son, was promised a son, waited for a son, and was finally given a son. He was given all these great promises, too, that, that his offspring would be, would be great and he would be a blessing to all the peoples of the world. God had made good on his promise. And now God showed up and said, oh, yeah, that, that promise that I gave you, I want it back. I want it back. That, that one, notice, notice the emphasis here. That one and only son whom you love, I want that son back. I want him, I want you, I, I want you to sacrifice your son for me. <laughs> wow. And for Abraham, this had to be devastating, right? Let's just, look, just trade shoes with Abraham just for a moment, or sandals, whatever. Um, put yourself in his position. What would you be thinking in this? Right. What kind of God is this? Who does this? Who makes these promises? Who who supernaturally acts in my life and then does something like this? What kind of God does this? Um, I have to say this. 
because th- we think about this a lot, and you may get asked this a lot, but God will never ask us to take the lives of our children. I know we got some nuts out there that, that believe stuff like that. God will never, ever ask us to take the lives of our children. First of all, it's illegal. Don't break the law. So it's illegal against right our laws. It's illegal against God's laws. Um, you know, this is pre-Ten Commandments. All right? And another thing that we need to consider, and this is what helped me out, sort of. This is what helped me out. As I studied this, not recently, but a while back, okay, I did a study on the ancient Near East, which includes... Jerusalem, it includes northern Egypt, it just includes pretty much all of the Middle East, all right? So in this culture, child sacrifice was the norm, okay? Still shocking to us, but in Abraham's context, he's not being asked to do something that is outside of what's going on around him, okay? It it happened all of the time, in religious acts of worship to other gods. And we read about a guy named Moloch, I believe, in in Scripture, in the Old Testament, where, you know, that's actually the case. So for us, look, let's just settle that right there. That will never, ever happen. But still, for Abraham, this had to be hard to hear for him. Well, what would Abraham do, right? What What would be his next move? How would he react? Well, if you read the scripture, Abraham obeyed. And he didn't just obey, but he obeyed immediately. It says he got up early the next morning and started making preparations for this. And he left to go where God told him. Genesis 22, verse 6. <clears throat> Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Isn't that interesting? You know, the son carries the wood eye-opening, isn't it? He, he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, oh, excuse me, to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You see, this sort of tells us that Isaac was, uh, smart he was experienced he would have known what was going on you know um, the most important part of the sacrifice is the animal right and that's usually what was uh, gotten first is the sacrifice and then everything else was sort of planned around that and he's he notices something that the most important thing isn't there so he asked that question and as he asked his father this question Abraham made a remarkable statement of faith, and this is going to challenge us today. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I just got to think, well, how is Abraham feeling on the inside here? He's probably torn up, probably conflicted, probably still wondering what type of God is this, but he had complete trust in God. 
He, he trusted that God would provide, and that God would take care of him and, and bless him no matter what. He needed only to be faithful to God. That's what he was thinking at this point, if he could just be faithful. So verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. See the son laid on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So look, Abraham was doing this. He was ready to do this. In his heart, he had already made the decision. And here's something else that's important. Isaac was willing to. Okay? He never struggled never tried to run away. He never questioned his father's motives except for that one question, you know, where's the sacrifice? He willingly gave himself over. And so you have two unique individuals here, both submitting to God and his will and his trust. And as Abraham is about to do this, as he is about ready, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Notice he says the same thing here that he said in the beginning. I'm here. I'm yours. I'm here. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So God stopped Abraham here last moment, right? I mean, really, you know, this is like last moment. He was, Abraham was going to do this. He knew Abraham's heart. He knew that Abraham was willing to be obedient to him. And, and he knew that he was the most important thing in Abraham's life. God knew that Abraham didn't withhold anything from him I don't know about you but that's tough this story makes us think of a lot of things okay a lot of different things our minds go all over the place but here's the the most important thing that we need to think about in this there's really one main question that we need to ask ourselves in our relationship with God am I withholding anything from God Am I withholding anything from God? As, as we see in Abraham, look, this guy had it all. He had blessings beyond measure. Warren Buffett, type of person in his culture. The wealthiest man in all the world. Actually, kings envied him. Kings paid homage to this guy. He had everything. Blessed beyond measure, had provision, had land, had treasure. But what he treasured most was what? His son. His son. And God wanted to make sure that what Abraham treasured most did not interfere with his relationship with him, you see. Now, I want to ask you, what are the things that we love and treasure? Those things that I ask you to write down, to think about? What are those things that are most important to us? Look, they can be good things. 
you know, family, friends. It could be, you know, it, honestly, it could be materialism. It could be our lifestyle. It could be personal time. You know, that's pretty important to us, isn't it? I know for me, just personal time, just some private time, man, is so valuable right now. Could be our job, could be our work, you know, something like that. Could be our careers. But are those things more valuable to us than God? Are there things in our lives that are more important than God that take the place of God, you see? That's the key truth and the challenge for all of us in this scripture. Look, is there anything that we withhold from God? Is there any area of our lives that are, I'm just talking truth this morning, okay? Is there any area in your life that is off limits to God? You know, you, you're okay with God being over here, over here. No, this is, this is mine. I'm not going to give that to God. And dad's, I know this is Father's Day, just a side note here, but I just, man, I felt led to share this with you. Fathers, listen up. Do your kids know how important your faith is to you? Do you think Isaac questioned that? Do you think Isaac ever doubted his father's faith? Right? Parents in general, do, do your children know how important your relationship with God is? Look, we're not called to be their best friends. We're called to be their parents and raise them in the Lord. I, many times I'm the bad guy in my family. Right? I'm the guy that nobody likes. It's just hard to be in. You know, because you want the most important things in your life, you want to do the good for those things. You want to love those things. You want to bless those things, don't you? I mean, will your kids, what will your kids say about your faith? Man, my dad or my mom, their faith, unbelievable. They will do anything for the Lord. Or do they say, what faith? You know, they, get, they go to church once every now and then. Maybe pray once a month or something like that. Such a challenge. As the scripture opens up, it says that the Lord tested Abraham. And I got to tell you, people, Christians, our lives each and every day are a test of what's most important to you. What do you value? What are you worshiping? What's first in your life? Is God, is God even close? Is God in his proper place? Look, Abraham had God in his proper place. That's what I can see from this story. It might be an unbelievable story to us, but he had God in his proper place. He had faith that God would provide. And listen to this. 
God did. God did. I know we say that God is a provider, but you don't know that God is a provider until you trust him. You can say it all you want. It doesn't make a difference. You can pray, you can thank God for being a provider, but until you actually trust in him completely, you don't experience him as provider. As Abraham finds out, the Lord provides abundantly when we trust completely. Completely. Complete trust. Okay? Uh, When we lay things down for God, he provides for us in ways that we never, ever expect. All right, in Hebrews, we later find out that Abraham had such remarkable faith in God that he was going to kill his son and that God was going to raise him up. Okay? That's what Abraham believed. And God uh, would do that. God could do that. But God provided differently and beyond Abraham's expectation because he had faith completely. Let's see what God did. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. What a blessing that is. You think Abraham said, he was probably leaping and dancing and shouting for joy. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. You see, the provision comes after the complete trust. And to this day, it said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I like that because it's talking about a future tense. It's in the future tense. It hasn't happened yet, according to Abraham. He's prophesying here. He's prophesying. It says, the Lord will provide. Have you all heard that Jehovah Jireh, that name of of God? The Lord provides. He was also speaking of a day when the Lord would provide a greater sacrifice. And it's interesting here, the words, okay? On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, when Abraham was first told to go, he was told to go where to the region of Moriah I know many of you might not have heard this but I want to share it with you because it's mind-boggling Abraham was told to go to Moriah a thousand years later King Solomon David's son would build his temple on this mountain in Moriah and it would become known as Jerusalem okay many years after that Jesus would walk into Jerusalem, spend his final week, and be crucified on a hillside, on a mountainside called Golgotha in Moriah. Truly remarkable. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The sacrificial lamb of God would be provided, which brings us to this last thing I want to share with you, the reflection of Jesus in this story um, with, regarding Abraham and Isaac. I know a lot of things come to our mind. We think about a lot of things. Oh, that's neat to think about there. That's neat to think about there. But Jesus is the sacrificial lamb provided by God. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that God provided. When we see the lamb that God provided for Abraham, when we see that lamb, that the ram that got caught in the thicket, 
the ram that is sacrificed instead of Isaac, that is what Jesus would do for us. That's what God would do. He would one day provide his own son as our sacrifice. And I love this when Jesus comes on the stage and John the Baptist is out there doing his thing, right, in, in the river and he's baptizing people left and right and all of a sudden something catches his attention and he has to speak up because it's so amazing. John one twenty nine, he says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus is the Lamb provided by God. And listen to me. Here's where we need to be really, truly amazed and thankful. Jesus was more than just the sacrifice. It's one thing to have something to sacrifice and and to please God, but it's another thing to have something take your place. He was the sacrifice and he was the substitute at the same time. You see, something had to die. If it wasn't the lamb, it would have been Isaac. I hope you see that. If it wasn't for Jesus, it would have been us. Why in the world would God do this, right? I know at the beginning we think, well, why would, why would Abraham do this? Why would God do this? Because he, he loves us. And I know that's easy for us to say, but we have no idea how much God loves us. God stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac, but he didn't stop with his own son. That shows how much he loves us. And I love John 3, 16 and 17 here in this context because he is talking to a guy named Nicodemus who would have known the story of Abraham. Who would Actually, these guys had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Okay, the religious leaders. He would have known it. And he would have picked up on this. And I want you to listen to the language. For God so loved the world. I know we just read past that. We, we memorize that. And over time, it doesn't become anything important to us. But, man, God's love goes beyond our comprehension. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that language is the same language that Abraham was given. Give me your one and only son, whom you love. This is God's only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, we can see the shadow of Isaac in the background and the the lamb given so that he wouldn't perish and so that he could be unbound and set free and go and live. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that but that the world through him might be saved. You see, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb provided by God. He is. He is our substitute that died in our place. Man. He is the sacrifice given so that we could be set free. And look, this is why we call Jesus Savior. He's mighty to save. He is our Savior because he did this for you, for me, for the world that is filled with sinners he died for. He was a sacrificial lamb. So look, I'm finished. What did God withhold from us? That's what we need to think about. 
He didn't withhold anything from us. Actually, he gave us what was most important to him and what he loved the most. So as Christians, let's not withhold anything from him, but let's live in trust and faith, and he will provide for you in ways that you never imagined. And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, look, this is how you do it. This picture of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice, that's what you believe in. You believe that Jesus died in your place, that it was you that was supposed to die. But Jesus was the sacrifice in your place. You believe that he died for your sins and rose from the grave to give you new life. So look, if you haven't trusted in God's provision, I pray that you do that today. And we're going to take communion together. And um, So I'm going to ask the guys to get ready for that. And this is a, a time where as believers, we celebrate and we honor what Christ did for us through his body uh, by taking our place and through his blood that was shed to cover our sins. So let's pray together. Father, this morning we thank you for your message. We thank you for, uh, when we see Abraham, it's just a remarkable story. And sometimes we look at that and we just think it's, it's a different scenario, it's a different person, it's a different culture. It's, God doesn't test us to that extreme anymore while that's, you know, somewhat true. The underlying truth is still the same. You want to be first. You want to be most important in our lives. You want our hearts Father, this morning I pray that we would trust you with everything and that we would not only do that out of worship, but that we would do that out of knowing that your provision is greater than what we hold on to. Your provision is more than us trying to keep things and hold on to things on our own. And you have far more, uh, far greater plans in store for us. And all we need to do is be obedient and trust you, for you are a good father and we look at your son Jesus and how you gave him to us. And the Bible just calls that love. And it's such an easy word for us to say, but we truly have no, uh, we, we just don't come close in our understanding of how much and how great that love is. And this morning as we partake in these elements, we, we observe that a body had to be laid down on wood instead of us. And we observe and we are thankful for the blood that was shed from that body to cover the dirt, the filth of sin in our own lives. Father, we are forever thankful for new life each and every day. You have set us free from our bonds. You have gotten us up off of the sacrifice altar and you have freed us to live a new life. Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, that doesn't know you as Father, I pray this morning that they would just believe that Jesus is their sacrifice, that he died for them, and that they would ask you for forgiveness through your son Jesus and commit their lives to following him. That's it. That's it. It's not a, it's not a fancy prayer, but it's a heartfelt commitment. 
and understanding and faith and knowing that what you did, Jesus, saved them for eternity, paid for their sins, and you uh, died the death that they should have. So, Father, as we hand out these elements this morning, our hearts and our minds are turned toward you and your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.